0: big good afternoon we are talking pet chat for our sponsor dog overboard and a big welcome to you cheryl shaw and dr kimberly earl lovely to have you both thank you now cheryl we're talking about something really interesting in a minute well i found it interesting didn't know about this mice and rats and the damage they can do to animals oh they're very dangerous let's sneak in an early call here hello sharon from soldiers point welcome to the show and a question for dr kimberly earl about a rescue dog
1: Yes, that's right. Um, we have a little dog, he's two and a half years old, and he continually chases his his tail mm-hmm. to the to the point where he's actually um sometimes biting it and, and drawing blood. It's just a bit worrying, that's yeah, all.
2: Sure. And what kind of dog is he?
1: The Maltese
2: Koshitsu. Oh, so he's a little guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Listen, tail chasing is actually a known um, behavioural sort of stereotypical behaviour, I guess, or in some cases it's almost like an OCD, um, obsessive-compulsive behaviour that we see. Um, right. Some breeds are actually um, quite prone to it. That that one is not one of the sort of prone breeds. But we uh-huh. would always put it in a category of, um, you know, this dog is, is doing it as a... Um, Behavior because he's not coping with something in his environment. Now, that's probably something that started way before you've had him, if he's a rescue yep. dog. Um, mm-hmm. But he may need some pharmacological help to sort of yeah. relearn normal behaviour. So I would go um, up to your local GP vet um, and have a discussion with them about him. First of all, make sure that they can get him checked out because if he's got a superficial skin infection, something like that near or around the tail, that will make it itchy and that will increase his likelihood to, um, to chase it. But then yep. probably we need to have a Discussion about putting him on in the the medium to long term some anti anxiety type medication so he can relearn some normal behaviours because obviously he's probably taken that up as a, um, a bit of a coping strategy in in his yep. previous life. Mm-hmm. Um, but we need to teach him that the world's a different place if we can. It is a really challenging behaviour, unfortunately, yep. um, and for some of the dogs that are really prone to it or who are really damaging to it, we do sometimes end up having to amputate the tail. Um, because they're self-traumatizing so badly and those sorts of things, but that's usually sort of an end-stage um, result. Right. So, but I'd go and, and find a good local vet and have a good discussion with them. Um, have him checked out for medical issues, but probably yep. it's a behavioural thing. Don't expect it's going to be a quick resolution, but there are some things that can be done to try to help. Okay, okay.
1: that's fantastic, mm-hmm. fantastic. Thank you so much for your help. You're Just one more question. Um, yep. We've only had him for about five or six weeks, and want yeah. to. Um, like getting clipped and those sorts of things is, is an anxious dog. Should we wait until after I've been to the vet to get that sort of checked out first or?
2: not necessarily um particularly if he's a really sort of fluffy dog we want to yep. you know get him nice and neat and tidy because like i said it may be hard to entirely identify if there is a bit of a skin issue an allergic sort of skin issue that's making him more itchy yep. um i think you just you know go to a, a reputable dog groomer and let them know that he's got some signs of um, anxiety disorders and yep. then let them go really nice and, and gentle you know with him and assess Thank how you. he is um how he is responding to the treatment that yep. he's been given yeah have you oh, got anything you. to
3: add there, Cheryl? Yeah, just, just make sure you let the groomer know that it's a rescue dog and that it is yes. a little anxious. And a good yes. groomer will work very well with that and um, make sure that the dog is, is um, done carefully and, um, and respectfully animal lover there's no doubt about that You've always
0: got an amazing story bit of a sad one though you're having some issue with some mice and rats at the moment and getting into your aviary the rats. Ah, oh,
3: I know look it's just at the time of the year at the moment rat numbers are really high so we've had ideal weather and there are numbers explosions out there, rats and mice everywhere but I keep birds, I have an aviary and I was really saddened to go down to find some and finches of mine dead. Now how they die is usually that the rat grabs hold of them and kills them. See I didn't know this I'm mm-hmm. here going to you and Kimberly in the break, what do you mean? How did the rats kill them? I didn't know they could <laughs>
0: Yeah,
3: you know, And yeah. another way yeah. that, that things can happen in the aviary is because if you're leaving your seed and water down, mice and rats can often um, soil into put their droppings into the seed That's what I was more expecting. So uh, that can happen way. as well. So one good thing that you should sort of come away with from this is making sure that you're doing excellent housekeeping so making sure that the floor of your aviary or your birdcage is nice and clean and your chook coop because so many people are keeping chooks these days Mm -hmm. so we need to pick up all of those scraps particularly of an evening so just before you know you're sort of settling in at night go down clean up and remove the seed and water containers because if we cover those up, it's going to lessen the chance of the mice getting in um, because it's like a takeaway snack bar, you know, fast food, into Yay. the aviary floor, grab a whole lot of food. So those rats and mice are just continuing to, you know, breed. And, and they breed really quickly. I think it's mm. 21 days yeah. gestation. That's and very quick. And, yeah, they have numbers, you know, many, many babies mm. at a time. So those... Six to eight is really common. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Six to See, that's, yeah, that's mm. increasing. At 21 days, you're having all of these new little pinky come through so we need to make sure that we are trying to minimise the food source for them and then we need to put in some control measures as well because not only will they eat um, bird seeds and and grains but they'll also go for um, dog and cat food. So if you're leaving your cat's yes. food down or your dog's food down, you'll often find that they're going to that as well. You're, you're laughing there, Sarah. Oh,
0: I've just had this at home. We've got some mice at the moment mm. and they're so cute, but I know they're bad. They're mm. all through our roof and they keep coming down through our fireplace, popping its little head out and then it goes for a mad dash to Gizmo's bowl and nicks a bicky. Mm. Yeah. We've talked about this before though, Sarah. We don't want to be leaving food out for our dogs. Dogs
2: don't need to be grazers. If he's not eating it in 30 <laughs> minutes, it gets put away We talked about his waistline.
0: It's my daughter that goes in and eats it after him. I know, I I know. Hashtag fail. Oh, dear. Yeah, so they are Mm. obviously out and about at the moment.
3: And Mm. they are nocturnal. So, one of Mm -hmm. the things with them, they're really active at nighttime. So, you know, if you're seeing them just as you're sitting there, just imagine how many more are outside and getting into things. So, we do need to put in some control measures. Now, there's lots of different ways you can go about that. You can either use traps, you can use um, multiple bait boxes that catch lots and lots at a time. Um, You can use poisons and you can also use um, bait stations and there's lots of, whether it is a block or whether it's in a granulated form. But you need to be very careful when you're placing those and this is because dogs are attracted to them and so are some wildlife so we need to make sure we're looking out for all of our Mm. pets so whilst we're trying to eliminate the mice and the rats from causing disease and um, death in our animals we need to make sure that we're when we're baiting them that we're not also creating a problem so making sure that those areas that you're placing your baits are away from your pets now, um, where do we sit on the whole catching them
0: <laughs> and releasing them somewhere else? Is that just outrageous? I've been told that they usually die anyway when you release them because you've taken them out of their habitat.
2: Well, if, if, they've, if they've not been injured when they're caught, they're pretty resourceful creatures. So there will be some territorialism potentially, but... Um, if they're not injured, they're probably just gonna set up a shop somewhere else. Yeah. Like, on the other side, on the west side of your else. house instead of the race right, yes. right side yes. of your house. I don't
3: know. And yes. they're pretty yeah. incredible little creatures. They don't need very much space to get into an area. Mm. So they only oh, need oh a... no, they flatten out. Yeah. yeah. So a, a rat needs like a size of a ten cent piece to get into a, a hole and, you know, make his home inside your home. So it really is quite difficult to contain them. Because yeah. I say
0: yeah. to Sean, you know, make sure it's a humane trap and he goes, It was dull, it was very quick. Because <laughs> <laughs> I I had mice as pets growing up, yeah, and through yeah. uni and recently, um, and they can make great pets as well. And as can rats. They say yeah. rats are very um, intelligent. I've never had rats because the tail does freak me out. <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously they're pests as well, and and mm. we've got to try mm. <laughs> and stop this. I mean, we've got to remember that our our wild rats that we have out and about
2: you know they're a bit different to the sort of more domesticated pet rats that you're seeing in pet shops and Mm. things like that too yeah um they get a lot bigger and um certainly they can do a lot more damage i think in a like an aviary situation it's not uncommon for people to bring us a bird that's got an injured wing and um and you know we say well probably it's been grabbed by a um by a a rat in the in the enclosure that sort of thing so
0: so when they Mm. kill them this is getting a bit graphic but do they then Mm
3: -hmm. eat them or are they do they just do it for fun just kill Mm. them Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, mm. it is. And some even bite the legs off some of the birds and things like <gasps> yeah, that. Yeah, missing. Yeah, it's really sad. But look, when we are baiting, those those baits that we're using, the commercial baits, if you are placing them out, mm. just make sure too that the dog or your, or your pets don't eat the rat if they find a dead rat because that could um, also transfer into the dog um, if it's consuming that rat that's been baited. If you do find a pet that has been, um, you know, you suspect has been eaten some rat bait or a rodent, um, get along to your veterinarian as quickly as possible just so that they can make a diagnosis and treat as soon as possible rather than just waiting it out.
0: Some really good advice Cheryl and as you said particularly at the moment with a lot of different baits out because there are so many mice and rats um, around. We're going to go to the the phone now, we've got George from Maryville. Uh, Welcome to the show George, you've got a question about dogs and UTIs for Dr Kimberly Earle
1: yes i do thanks kimberly
0: no worries what can we help you with uh,
1: my dog has started to do a lot of little poos mm-hmm. on her walk
2: right yes
1: and somebody suggested to me that she might be might have an uti
2: sure yeah so if she's a female dog that is certainly a possibility how old is your dog
1: eight-year-old
2: lab. Eight-year-old lab, yeah. So if this is a new behaviour for her, um, I definitely would have her checked out by a regular veterinarian. Try to um, grab a or catch a, a urine sample if you can. Um, yes. Urinary tract infections in um, female dogs are, are not uncommon, um, and sometimes they don't show a lot of signs other than that. Uh, that, you know, stopping frequently and having little wheeze instead of doing just one or two larger wheeze is a really common sign. Um, it's got a technical name. It's called palatitis. Akyuria. It means small, frequent urinations. Um, and it is often a sign. Some people will identify their dogs um, as licking more around the genital region, um, having a foul smell, that sort of thing. If they um, toilet inappropriately where they wouldn't normally, you know, have an accident in the house, occasionally you'll see a little bit of um, blood. But in some dogs, uh, the only sign you'll see is a change in the um, urination habit. So she's definitely worthwhile getting her um, checked out from a, um, a local vet. And ideally, if you can, try to to catch a urine sample um, in a clean, um, dry container, I usually recommend to my clients that they bring a... Um sample they've caught in a takeaway container. It doesn't even need to be very much. If you can get us a tablespoon of wee, um, that gives us a a really good idea of what's going on in there. Um, But pop it into a Ziploc baggie or into a fridge or something like that. If you can't get it in straight away because if it's sitting at room temperature you'll get some changes in the pH and if they're forming crystals and things like that it can change it. So um, I would definitely get her up to uh, a vet to have a bit of a look at, but take a urine sample along. That's really, really helpful.
1: Could this have an effect on her eating habits.
2: She's
1: gone off her food lately. Um,
2: mm, well, it could. I mean, that's it's not the only reason for them to start having pelachia. Um So most of the time, if it's just a straight bladder infection, the dog will be otherwise well. But it's even more important, probably, if she's having other changes, um, we may want to have a look at her for some other uh, medical things, so diabetes or Cushing's disease, those sorts of things, if she's having any other changes as well. So, again, we're still going to want to have a look at a urine sample, but it might... Might be that it comes back normal, and then we want to start looking for something else going on. Because most times, dogs that have a straightforward um, bladder infection, urinary tract infection, um, won't have any changes to the eating. If it ascends up into the kidneys, that can certainly change. But those dogs usually get very sick very quickly. Um, so, you know, she won't necessarily want to be going out for a walk. She'll be, you know, inappetent and, and lying around and not well. Um, so, yeah, but I would definitely in the next couple of days, if you can, try to get her up to your vet, grab, grab a urine sample um, and start there. She may need to have a little bit of workup to work out what's going on with her.
0: Thank you very much Thanks George And good luck We're going to have a little look in a minute At rodenticide poisoning Cheryl was talking about it earlier Having to put some uh, baits and things out Because the rats are killing her little finches In the aviary which is very sad So we will have a look at that But we do like to go to our calls And we do have one right now We've got Anne from Toronto Anne you've got a question for Dr Kimberly Earl today Yes I have Um, Go ahead Yeah, What uh, can we do for you
1: Yes, Uh, my daughter has has just moved after 12 years. She's got a dog that she got from um, a rescue place and it's about four years old.
2: She's not, the dog's not able to roam freely to do its business. It's got to do it on the lead because she hasn't got a fenced yard.
1: Yes, where yes. before it yeah. has a a lot of space and everything.
0: Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's embarrassed.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I said this it, to her that perhaps she wants to be private, and I suggested that she, you know, has a, lengthens the lead and then goes inside and lets her get on with it.
2: <laughs> right. So, I mean, like eventually, the dog will probably be overcome with the the you know, the need to go i mean you 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 have to void or you can't survive um It is not an uncommon thing I mean, dogs get very used to um toileting in a particular manner, and so the dog will take some adjusting to. Um, you know, to the new routine. Um, yeah, certainly I think getting it out on a longer lead, just spending extra time with it. Sometimes in a new environment, the dog's probably sniffing around at all the new smells. It's maybe getting distracted, depending on how long they've been in that new garden area. Um only about
1: a week. A week. In there.
2: Yeah. So you know, it'll probably take a little bit of time to to get you know the adjustment happening. I'm certain the dog will have um, you know done its business at least a few times in that period of time. Otherwise, we'd. Well, have, have to go vandy doesn't it? Yeah, we, we'd be having a different conversation, I'm sure, if it hadn't. <laughs> um, yeah. Listen, I would um, do what we can to try to make the dog feel really comfortable. It may be that the sights and smells. Um,
1: the do think are a bit to leave
2: her to get on with it on her own? Do I think, sorry? To leave her to get on with it on her own? Well, we need to make sure she's safe. So, I mean, as long as she I mean, so the, the dog feels... Well, yeah. I think she wants to be a bit private about it. Yeah, and that, that's fair enough. So, I mean, if she can um, safely tether the dog somewhere so it has a bit of... Um, you know, free time to do what it wants and nobody's watching. Lots of people tell me that their dogs are quite private. In, in our hospital situation, we take dogs out to the toilet um, frequently on a leash. You know, we can't have them just sort of running loose around the backyard um, and they almost always, you know, get to it eventually. But it may be that she's a bit anxious in the backyard area or in the garden area. Maybe that she's distracted because she's excited by all the new smells and the new sound. So it might just be a matter of time. Um, she may not want to toilet um, on our timeline. She might want to do it on her own, timeline and mm-hmm. so having a way to give her some free time out there um you know half an hour 40 minutes just to sort of get everything done is is potentially a good way until she's used to the new you know the new routine of things um you could certainly look at doing things uh you know it's an adjustment phase so looking at um one of the uh collars that that dog appeasing pheromone collars um just to try to bring down an anxiety level a little bit that might help you can buy yeah. those at at good quality pet shops or online um, that might be something to try as well. Mm. Okay, well, thanks
1: very much. I'll pass this on to her then. No
0: worries. Thanks, Anne. I don't want to project human um, emotions onto dogs, but they do get embarrassed, don't they? You know when they do the head turn and they look at you if you're, like, waiting for them to come back?
2: Yeah, I think it's probably embarrassment is not what dogs get. I think it's, it'll be anxiety. Mm. It'll be, I'm in a vulnerable position and I'm not really comfortable that I'm safe if you're around. Yeah, or sure. about what else is happening. So I don't know that we can attribute embarrassment to dogs as a behaviour. And
3: a lot of people continue to talk at the dog because they mm. want the dog to go to the toilet. So they keep saying, go to the toilet, do we, do whatever. And the dog's going, ah, oh, mm. you're talking at me constantly. So sometimes just chilling, just standing yes. there, ignoring the dog and yeah. letting the dog just relax so it's not so mm. anxious, as yeah. you said, Because they do get
0: the deer in the headlight look mm-hmm. if you're sort of standing there. I mean, I wouldn't want someone just standing there and waiting. <laughs> you know, gives my looks back and it's like, um, can you give me five? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from Lemon Tree Passage, you've got um, a question about your dog. He's a little unstable on the back legs.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, a four-year-old little multi-shih tzu cross. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed about a bit over a month ago she got wobbly on the back legs. Mm-hmm. It went away and it's come back about three or four times. I've had it checked for ticks and everything, but mm-hmm. there's tick.
2: And so there's no ticks on her. That's good because a month ago that that would be unusual. Does she seem sore on her back legs? No, no. Her back? no,
1: no, no, no. Um, she doesn't appear to be in any pain mm. or uncomfortable. Okay. Uh, it's really frightening for me to see us fall over that's
2: all i bet yeah so i mean the things that i would be thinking without seeing her it's always hard to know but um typically if she were in my consult room i'd be looking for things like back pain signs that she might have some nerve compression um or decreased sensation down the back of her legs she's not particularly old so that's maybe not entirely typical um The next thing I'd be looking for is whether she's got any um, musculoskeletal problems, a a laxating patella, which is a dislocating kneecap, or an instability in her cruciate ligament, something that might be causing her to um, have some intermittent pain and um, and instability that way. Um, There are some uh more rare conditions like myasthenia gravis and things that cause weakness that might cause an intermittent weakness and so maybe what we're seeing is the the instability because she she's losing strength in the back legs that's always a possibility um, yeah, it's a bit of an unusual situation I, I would probably be wanting to have a really good you know, look at her, do a neurological exam as well as a musculoskeletal exam and probably look for some x-rays um, as a starting point for that because it doesn't sound really typical if you told me she was 14 then I'd you know, be thinking we probably have some arthritis that might be impinging on our nerve function but a 4 year old dog unless she's had a trauma of some sort in, in the past um, it's a little bit more of an unusual sort of situation so um, some of these little dogs will, um, you know, there can be some metabolic conditions that might cause an intermittent weakness, um, diabetes, and things like that could in- initially cause it. So, you know, make sure she's been checked over um, by your local vet, and and um, if they've suggested any kind of blood tests or X-rays, things like that, I would um, try to get that done if at all possible, because it sounds like she's not a really straightforward case, unfortunately. No,
1: that's um, un- I did take it a local vet, and the local vet checked her kneecaps and. Mm-hmm. I thought it may be a neurological sort of thing, but they haven't done anything further. They haven't suggested anything. Anything,
2: yeah. I mean, some of these, there are some neuropathies, you know, some dysfunctions of the nervous system that um, can just cause hind limb weakness, and if it 's not progressive and she 's getting around okay, um, then you know there may not be a lot of um, easy things for us to do anyway. Some of those conditions either have no treatment or the treatment is you know expensive um, specialist sort of surgery, and if the dog's coping well and not un, um, you know in pain and and distress, and it may not be um, in her best interest to do something along those lines so um, but you know I would be persistent if it 's bothering you. Um, I would be persistent and, and have her checked out um, again, or you can always get a second opinion. Or, you know, watch her, take some videos when she's having a really bad episode. These days, people bring me videos of my yeah, patients all the time. Um, because it might be, you know, you get her in the car, you load her in the car, and she's all excited, and she gets a little hit of adrenaline, goes to the vet hospital, and she doesn't look that unusual. But you might be the one seeing it at home where it's a lot more um, pronounced.
0: Good on you, Graham, and good that luck works. with that. Yeah, it is awful when mm. you think that your pets are distressed, or you know. Yeah, having getting a hard riddling. time yeah, yeah it is hard we're talking pet chat we have a free line right now if you've got a question for Dr. Kimberly Earle our number 49216216 and having a look at our dog of the week now you can always have a look at these videos and pictures yourself by heading to our website 2NURFM.com click on more and then dog of the week oh, we've got some pretty pictures up today Zoe she's a very loving five year old English staffie she's a gorgeous girl and above all else she loves being with people She's a people dog. Um, she's happy to be around other dogs and loves a good play with them um, or with her people. She's very clever. She knows several commands already. Her favourites are sit and shake. She's fully house trained and she can sleep in a bed or a cot as long as she is close by to someone for a belly rub. <laughs> but then it says she can also sleep outside. So unless she's sleeping outside with us, she might have to wait till the morning for the belly rub if she's out there. Uh, she would suit someone who can be around her a lot as she loves attention and she's a big sook. Oh, she does look cute. There's an action shot of her. She's got a pretty face. Uh, check it out. You can do that at 2NURFM.com and there's a little video of her as well. So that is our dog of the week. We're having a look at rodenticide poisoning. Cheryl Shaw was talking about mice and rats and the rats mm-hmm. causing a bit of chaos with the aviary. Yeah. Um, so we're going to have a look at that because one way, obviously, is to try and leave out some some, some, some rat bait. bait. Yeah, and we want our pets to be safe. Um, and rat bait poisoning is
2: really hard because people often will call call and say well i think my dog's got into the rat bait but he looks fine i don't need to do anything right he hasn't vomited or anything but it's unfortunately it's a slow acting toxin uh, and what it causes is bleeding so it uses up all their clotting factors in the body and once that's done and that can take two to three even five days sometimes once that's done then the animal bleeds to death spontaneously okay Mm. and so it's considered um I guess it's considered humane from a standpoint of when we're doing it with our pests because it's relatively pain-free. They just get sleepy, tired, they bleed into their abdomens and and usually they sort of go to sleep and die. Um, But the same thing can happen with our pets if they get into it. And you won't necessarily know. They won't show any signs of vomiting. There's nothing that will cause them to vomit or have diarrhea. And so oftentimes, um, the dogs or cats are presented to me for the first time and they've just collapsed. They're unable to get up um, and when we look at them we'll find that they're either very very pale in the gums because they haven't got a lot of circulating blood left or sometimes we'll see that they have bruising so um, that's one of the big tip-offs that something's wrong if you're a dog or cat um, if you find bruising on them, and you can look around the gums, usually the gums are pink. You can look around the whites of the eyes, on the belly. Often there's less that's fur like you start on the belly. To see black or blue, sort yeah, of or bruising. red, even okay. red, red, okay. purple, black, sort of bruising. Okay, um, and particularly if they haven't been in any kind of a trauma or fight or anything like that. If you're seeing bruising on a pet, um, that's a really important sign because that usually means that they've got some sort of coagulation disorder. And if there's been any rat baits around, um, that would be our number
0: one concern. This mm-hmm. is quite Quite scary to hear because I always thought there was quite obvious symptoms nope, of poisoning, not. like mm-hmm. the vomiting or the diarrhoea. I thought that was one of the No, nope, unfortunately
2: ones. not. So, um, so The other thing is that if you know for sure that your dog has had access to a rat bait, even if you don't know how much they potentially have eaten, if you come home and you can find the package chewed up or um, the rat bait is missing or you're in the garage, it happens frequently, people are like, oh, the dog followed me into the garage and then I suddenly realised that they were chewing on something and it might have been rat bait, them to a vet as soon as possible we can make them vomit if it's only happened within the last one to two hours we will make them vomit and bring it back up and then it doesn't have time to to take effect they have to sort of metabolize it before it can can do anything so we can make them vomit and get rid of it Um, after about 90 minutes to two hours that's not going to be we we won't be confident that that's going to be enough and so in that case if we've made your dog vomit um, we've got some rat bait up or we've emptied the stomach and nothing's come out then we're probably going to recommend Um, retesting or testing their coagulation factors so their clotting factors their ability to clot blood so that's Um, a blood test it's a blood test yeah and we're going to usually do that within two to three days of their um You know, exposure of having the exposure.
0: Okay, because you said it can Um, take days to. It can take days,
2: yeah. And if we take that test, sort of two to three days later, and they have a delay in their clotting um, time, so we're looking for do they clot their blood in a normal period of time. Um, Then, if they have a delay, then we're going to put them on vitamin K supplementation. So, vitamin K is an antidote for rat bait. Um, It has to be given for a long period of time, often because most of the times when you're buying. Uh, rodenticide baits or or rat baits from the store. These days they're usually going to be a second or third generation rodenticide um, and those are going to take um, probably four to six weeks to metabolize out of the body. So the dog will need to be covered for that period of time. And even then, once they've done their six weeks worth of treatment, we're going to retest them two to three days later to make right. sure that they're clotting normally. Okay? Wow. Um, so it, it is a bit of an involved process. And so always, you know, prevention is better than, than treatment. Um, and, and if you think that there's any risk, any chance that your pet has had an exposure, then definitely get them into a vet. Um, we'll either make them vomit, or we'll take a coagulation test, or and you know look for for the signs. So mm-hmm. the good news is it is treatable if we get them in. If you we know, get them a in early enough, yeah. High so
0: success rate. Yeah,
2: listen, if they come in collapsed and we say you know then then we're gonna we're gonna have a bit more trouble. So some sure. of the ones that if they're already in a, a period of time where they're not you know not clotting their blood well at all those dogs have a and cats have a, a much um, poorer prognosis we're going to need blood transfusions and some really intensive care to try to keep them going
0: and is there mm. any level that a dog can ingest without it affecting it mm. does that vary is that no. no 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 safe level yeah no, no safe level of exposure mm. wow interesting stuff so just be mindful because there are yeah. a lot of rat baits out at the moment Definitely. because there's a lot of yeah. Um, yeah. rats and mice around yeah well cheryl shaw dr kimberly earl thank you both for coming in for another pet chat some interesting stuff what looked at today yeah, yeah it was good, good. Yeah. Mm, and some great calls thank you of course pet chat is back uh, same time next week at midday we always love your company coming up after one o'clock we've got Greg in he's playing more of your easy listening favorites more chances to go along to Mamma Mia oh have you girls seen the um the preview for this no oh it looks so good looks like a lot of fun actually <laughs>